You're listening to the Australian Water Association podcast series. My name is Joe Taranto and joining me is Richard Greenwood. Richard is Principal Consulting Engineer with Jacob New Zealand and is a part of the water infrastructure team. And we're discussing moving towards a zero environmental footprint dairy plant. Welcome, Richard. Yeah, good to talk to you, Joe. Thanks for having me. Now, you're in New Zealand at the moment and have had a lot to do with the dairy industry there. Can you tell us about how intensive the water and energy uh, requirements of dairy processing exactly is? Yeah, sure. Well, the New Zealand dairy industry um, has experienced a significant growth um, in the last sort of 10 to 15 years. In particular, a lot of land has been converted from sort of sheep and beef into dairying um, as um, driven particularly by sort of the high commodity prices and that's driven um, a lot of uh, processing capacity Um, and the processing capacity is really uses a lot of energy and water to um, convert effectively um, cow's milk into uh, commodity products like um, whole milk powder and skim milk powder, and that that has really significantly increased and um, been quite quite intensive. And um, a lot of that's also driven by the um, the move um, in the early two thousands, where the government uh, uh, formed the company Fonterra and um, actually introduced legislation, which really pushed the um, the, the the envelope in terms of uh, dairy production. With such growth in the industry, Richard, what does that mean for the use of water, for example? So a lot of the a lot of the dairy farms use a significant amount of water on farm. There's a whole there's a whole piece which is not actually the subject of this paper, which is to do with the water use around the farm and the farming methods, and particularly in dry areas of New Zealand where there's a lot of um, pressure to convert land to dairy and then the use of irrigation. But what I've been focusing on is what happens when you get into the factory and you actually have to convert or produce um, products from the milk. And that also uses an intense amount of water. There's a lot of high amounts of water that are abstracted from the local environment, whether it's from a river or from the ground, to use for milk processing. And there is also a lot of thermal energy that's required uh, because you actually take your milk and you drive a lot of that existing uh, liquid off it to create these products. And that's just the, the, the amount of water that's used in that process is pretty significant. And then that water is effectively, a lot of it's used in cleaning. So there's stuff called clean in place or CIP, where a lot of the uh, water is flushed or used with chemicals and flushed through dairy pipes in the factory. Um, then a lot of that water is is effectively sent off as a wastewater and then disposed of. And this am- huge amount of um, water that's used and treat- treated or partially treated in a wastewater treatment plant is then either discharged into rivers, oceans, or into the, or discharged back onto land as a um, as a treatment source. And that have, has quite has had quite significant pressure on the environment in terms of um, those discharges. A typical dairy plant with water requires, um, so for example, a large South Island dairy plant would have a consented water take during peak season of around 13,000 cubic metres per day of water and probably discharges a similar amount 
or slightly less, say 12,000 cubic metres per day of wastewater. And that is a significant burden in terms of water take from that local environment, but also that wastewater discharge to that environment. And the plants also require a significant amount of thermal energy. And usually, particularly in the South Island, it requires coal uh, to raise that thermal energy. And in the North Island, it's a mixture of coal and natural gas. And that also has been receiving a lot of attention recently because of um, the media attention on climate change and particularly the reliance of New Zealand thermal um, industry on burning coal. So that, this is putting a lot of pressure on waterways and land and um, particularly affecting the ability of the country to uh, respond to pressures on climate change and to the government's uh, requirements to move to a low carbon economy. Those requirements to manage particular streams within the dairy industry obviously have led to traditional processing. What are some of the liquid and solid streams that have to be managed within dairy processing, Richard? So there's a number of inputs and outputs. The key inputs really are your raw milk, which comes effectively as a liquid uh, source from from farms. Um, Other inputs uh, include chemicals which are generally imported, um, water for which is used for processing and a lot of that water as I said before comes from either surface water or groundwater and it's, we call it an imported water uh, and then of course you've got your coal your ga- or your gas um, but you've also got um, a load of imported electricity. Um, there's also other things such as um, other inputs such as stormwater roof water and that sort of stuff which come and need to be treated because it's an industrial site and and also disposed of. Is there a fairly traditional management for those outputs, Richard? Yes. So typically, for example, wastewater. So in a typical process, the um, water which is imported or or extracted for processing is is used for um, cleaning of the processed plant, and that would typically be then discharged to some form of wastewater treatment. And it varies across the country, and it's actually very similar in both Australia and New Zealand, where in some cases it's not treated at all to um, reasonably sophisticated treatment. What opportunities then does a technology like zero liquid discharge present to the industry? So in a zero liquid discharge plant, it takes a circular approach and what it looks at is the all of the liquid inputs and looks at to see how it can be uh, reused those liquid inputs. In terms of uh, li- zero liquid discharge plants and the, the, this technology around the world is becoming much more established and there are a number of examples of that. Effectively it takes in um, wastewater looks at doing some sort of pre-treatment, maybe putting it through some sort of uh, membrane type or reverse osmosis plant, producing a reuse, a water reuse stream, which is then reused back into the um, production in some form, and then usually produces some sort of uh, brine or solid material, which in a lot of uh, cases can be used as some sort of um, uh, fertilizer or 
in, in, in some sort of um, uh, solid disposal method. The, in Fonterra, they're actually doing this in some limited way. Um, what they do is they actually take some of the discharge, so, so some of the liquid which is produced during the process, which, we, which, which is the water that's driven off when they make, um, um, when they dry off the milk into a solid, and that, that uh, water, which is um, funnily enough called cow water or COW water, uh, is recycled through these membrane filters and actually reused in the cleaning, clean and place process. So there's a sort of a partial reuse carrying on there, but in a number of plants around the world, they're moving towards the zero liquid discharge. And it pretty much involves, it involves very common technologies like uh, reverse osmosis, ultrafiltration, evaporation and crystallization, thermal, thermal type processes. Um, but the next step is to take that zero liquid discharge into a potentially a product contact situation, which would require further odor removal, further disinfection, and mineral dosing to meet pH requirements, and effectively making that that uh, treated water or reused water to a drinkable standard, or even better than drinkable standard, so it can be used in that food product contact situation. Are there other technologies and processes then that will shake up this traditional linear approach to processing? Yeah, so there's lots of things that can also be added into here. So um, for, for a zero liquid discharge plant to move towards the zero environmental footprint plant, we have to look at all of the inputs and all of the outputs. So that we've talked a bit about the liquid inputs, but there's also some solid inputs as well. Um, but there's also the energy inputs. And in terms of um, getting a full use of all of those things there, you've got to really integrate all of those three things together. So that's solid, liquid, and energy. And I've talked already about the fact that these plants are a very energy-intensive process. One of the things that we've been looking at in Jacobs is the use of um, the resource recovery facility and making and the use of wastewater and uh, combining that with potential um, hydrogen technology and that is where we can take the wastewater treated and then run that through some sort of hydrogen technology to reduce uh, hydrogen which could then effectively be then reused back as an energy source for the dairy industry that also treats further the water um, and produces oxygen which is a byproduct in a hydrogen facility but that oxygen can actually go back into the wastewater treatment um, facility as pure oxygen rather than using aeration, which then effectively saves a lot of energy for aeration in the wastewater treatment plant. Um, and then the hydrogen, hydrogen electrolysis also effectively, there's more water available in your wastewater than what you need for your process plant or your process heat. And so for a dairy industry, there's effectively uh, hydrogen available for potential transport and of course a company like Fonterra for example or for other um, large dairy companies they rely on a large transport fleet to move um, raw milk from farm to factory. So a zero environmental footprint plant is achievable in your opinion? It is there's, there's a, f a few things that would need to be worked on first of all some of the hydrogen electrolysis technology is still very new 
um, and some of the things that would need to be worked on is trying to trying to get the cost of that technology down. Um, some of the modelling that we've done recently has shown that um, coal is still a very cheap energy source, particularly in New Zealand, and um, from a pure um, cost point of view, um, doesn't quite stack up yet to the cost of actually doing hydrogen electrolysis. Um, however, if you looked at um, some dairy factories are actually converting immediately away from coal and actually raising steam or, or converting their boilers directly to electricity from the grid. And in that case, their um, hydrogen production becomes a bit more cost effective. We've been looking at the use of MAVR, which is membrane aerated bioreactors, which as part of the wastewater treatment process are a much more efficient wastewater treatment process which reduces the amount of energy inputs and is ideal because an ideal in a, a setting where you've got um, a hydrologist plant because um, you can use pure oxygen which is the byproduct of a hydrogen reaction to uh, use in an MABR for the wastewater treatment phase instead of aerating it uh, with air. What would you say to those people looking to move to a more circular approach for the dairy industry? Um, I'd say that it's um, it's achievable. Um, it's a long-term goal and a long-term uh, view that I think the um, industry needs to take and there's significant benefits for it. So um, one of the things I forgot to mention was that when you have a dairy factory which has got some form of hydrogen generation, if that dairy factory is powered um, off the grid which uses renewable energy for example, so, uh, for example, in the South Island of New Zealand, you've got pretty much almost nearly 100% renewable energy from either um, hydro or wind. Then effectively, the electricity inputs into the plant are all renewable. Your hydrogen production is completely circular. You actually end up with a very low carbon, we're approaching a zero carbon plant. By recycling and reusing all your water, you're getting a complete reduction or almost a zero and of course, there's obviously the improved customer perceptions as well in terms of uh, your customers that you're selling to, but also for you know, the, all of the stakeholders and the, the community around you that you're actually doing something which is moving towards a circular economy. It certainly sounds like a huge amount of opportunity. I've been speaking with Richard Greenwood, Principal Consulting Engineer with Jacobs New Zealand. Thanks so much for your time, Richard. Richard.